Ocean Cast, where we use lug nuts as rings. My name is Matt, and joining me today is a very special guest, Matt. Hello. Hey, Matt. How's it going? It's fine. It's, uh, I have to tell you, it, it almost felt like a Christmas miracle that we didn't have to watch Welcome to the Ballroom this week. <laughs> That's true, because, you know what, we cover all sports anime, uh, covering, uh, from, uh, December 3rd to December 9th. Uh, it's week 10 of the fall season, by the way. Uh, and thankfully, Welcome to the Ballroom was not included in that. Yeah, who knows why, I'm not gonna ask questions, but it just yeah, wasn't there this like, week. I, like, it, I I was looking it up, it seemed like it was supposed to be there. Like, it's, I thought it was supposed to air, but I couldn't find anything about it. Um, and I guess maybe just Amazon didn't post it? Whatever. There like, might have been something, uh, you, you know what my, my theory is? Okay. Is, uh... Amazon's just testing to see if anyone notices, like, <laughs> see if anyone comments or says anything. <laughs> right, and you know what? I'm not seeing anybody comment on that. Yeah. Um, because it's like, I literally didn't see any, like, hey, where's Welcome to the Ballroom this week? Yeah. Because generally, you know, when there's a missing episode and I Google it, you know... There's something. It, like, something th- from Reddit. There's somebody who's posting a, cr- a question, but, yeah. like, yeah, this week, no, nothing. It's just nobody seems to care, so... Well, speaking of questions that people ask, Matt, I would like to ask you a question. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, like I said, we did already, you know, within the first minute of our episode, have a Christmas miracle, so that got me thinking. Um, what's your favorite anime Christmas episode? I don't know if I have one. Okay, what's an anime Christmas episode? The, uh, that... the only one I can even think of is from Love, Hina? Well, that was like a that was a movie. I think that was a Christmas. That, you're right. But that is a movie. That's okay. That's okay. It's that's one of the classics. That is, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I mean if you using that term very generously, <laughs> it is an anime that would be considered fairly old and influential by today's standards. So yes, I guess in some ways it is a classic. Wasn't there a Christmas episode of Azumanga Daioh? You know what? I think there was. I think I'm going to go with Azamanga Dayo. Even though I literally do not remember the episode, I am always willing to give props to Azamanga Dayo. Well, why don't you do a quick Google search and I'll tell you about the one that came to my mind. Um, okay, go for it. Uh, the Christmas episode of Big O. Oh! <laughs> I, I know you weren't you weren't into it while it was airing on Toonami once upon a time, but I just remember the sheer... The, the first season of Big O had a very disconnected plot, a lot of standalone episodes. Um, okay. They'd have a random villain show up, and then Roger would uh, have to call on Big O, and there'd be a giant robot battle, and that would be the end of it. Um, in this one, a creepy old man dressed up like Santa uh, <laughs> gives a saxophone player a demon seed. Okay. Uh writes a letter to the government and says that in one week the world will be reborn on December 25th. Oh! Uh, and they try and figure out who it was. They they fail to find and uh, apprehend the Santa. Um, and then on Christmas Day uh, a the demon seed hatches and a giant Christmas tree destroys the like the dome in the middle of the city. Um, okay. And so, like, Roger calls out his giant robot, Big O, to fight the Christmas tree, but he loses, <laughs> and the Christmas tree just grows, dominates the this central dome, um, and that's the end of the episode. And they so they lose. Uh, part of the city is <laughs> destroyed by Santa. 
Um, oh! They talk about the fact that they heard that, you know, back in the old days, December 25th meant something. Oh, well. Um, and then they exchange presents for some reason. Okay! Well, good. Yeah. Oh, Matt, you know what? I'm looking something up right now on anime Christmas episodes. I cannot believe we didn't think of this one. What? Uh, I'm going to go with uh, episode 13 of Martian Successor Nadesico. Oh, of course. Of course. Um, I don't remember it, um, but I'm going to have to go with that just because it is Nadesico. Um, and I actually have a very vivid memory of Nadesco. But I don't remember the Christmas episode. Christmas episode. <laughs> Something's oh. coming back. I'm. I'm. I, I do remember them dressing up like Santa. Right. Well, the picture I have has the big giant dude whose name is escaping me dressed up as a reindeer. Uh, so, yes. I mean, that seems about right to me. All right. Well, this is pretty compelling material. But despite that, I think we <laughs> ought to move on to yeah, March comes in like a lion. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. So, March Comes In Like a Lion, episode 31. Um, it starts off with Ray and Hina both getting ready for a trip. So, Ray has to go to Osaka for the newcomers' tournament finals, and Hina is going on a class trip to Kyoto. Um, okay. So, Ray is kind of anxious about his tournament, but Hina's very anxious about going on a class trip because she's afraid of what the bullies will do. Right. Um, Despite she she kind of gives herself a stomachache from the anxiety, but despite that she insists that she still wants to go anyway because she's afraid if she doesn't stand up to it and face the challenge that she's gonna regret it even as an adult. Um, and so Ray quietly admires her and then leaves. And he goes to Osaka, <laughs> and uh, he has a pretty drawn out battle for the newcomers cup and we can go into some detail on that but eventually he breaks through uh the stalemate and uh he is able to win the newcomers tournament nikaido is able to see this transpire uh from his hospital bed and then after the tournament ray goes to kyoto and somehow finds hina who is off by herself kind of hiding from her class uh and she cries right oh good um so, I, I enjoyed this episode. I actually think, you know, going into this, I didn't know if there was going to be a lot to talk about. But as you were summarizing it, I, I did think of a few things that were kind of interesting about it. Um, so, I, I think the major thing that going into it that I did note was the similarities between when Ray went up against Shimada in the first season versus now, like, when he goes up against Yamazaki. Um... And what, what I noticed that was kind of similar there was some of the imagery in the descriptions used of his opponent during this match. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, I, I think one of the interesting things about it was that Ray was getting really heated about this match because, you know, he had so much he had to prove to both Nikaido and to Hina, you know, to show that he could do it himself. And what I thought was really interesting about this was throughout the course of the match, he actually starts losing sight of his opponent. Um, like, he starts becoming less of an opponent and more of a shadow figure for him to overcome. Like, there, there's this really neat imagery of, like, this sort of hand reaching out from the haystack. Mm -hmm. And, uh, what Ray realizes, he has a flashback back to when, um, I think it was back when he was, like, at that tournament with Shimada at kind of, like, that exhibition match. Yeah. 
Um, and, you know, uh, Nikaido sort and, you know, he remembers Nikaido's words about, you know, sometimes you have to play defensively, man. Like, you can't just keep going in guns a-blazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that was the, I, I think that was a real symbolic moment of growth because it shows how he's grown since his time with Shimada because he realizes that he was, he was starting to do the exact same thing where he becomes so hyper-focused on this ideal almost that he has to live up to that he sort of forgets about what's actually in front of him um and like and i think that was what that was kind of interesting because it was almost as if though the like the imagery started toning down again when he actually started to focus on the match and that's actually been kind of a consistent theme throughout the show well and what what i sort of focused on was that he noticed something in himself right. about how his impulse was... He wasn't comfortable, you know, sort of working in a long, drawn-out match where they were, pro- you know, probing each other or whatever. It's He noticed that he was working, edging towards a stalemate. And right. so he decided, like, oh, well then, I've got to do something dramatic. I've got to break out. I've got to, I've got to like overwhelm uh i've got to do something to make this go to change this and what he's starting to realize is that even though he has that impulse just because he has the impulse doesn't mean it's the right impulse um one parallel i saw was his relationship with hina you know his initial impulse when hearing about her bullying was okay like it's up to me She's in this tough situation. She's stuck. So I'm going to pay for her to go to a different school and go to college and everything, and I'll do it all. Bam! Go Ray! Go me! Um, (laughs) And what he realized, and sort of what he reflected on through the match, was like, oh, this isn't about... It's not. I'm not saying this because it's the best way to play or it's the best way to live. I'm doing it because it's selfish and it makes me feel powerful. Um, Right. So I thought I thought it was interesting to see him sort of like able to criticize his own impulses in a way right. that he couldn't before. He's kind of getting to a point where he's sort of starting to understand who he is and yeah. understand that you know he can't always go. You know, it's it's kind of this balance between like you know impulses aren't always bad, but it's also kind of understanding how to control them. Mm-hmm. Um, like you know he understands because you know. You know, the, the difference between what he did with Hina and, you know, this match was that following his impulse to actually track down Hina was actually the right thing to do. Yeah. In the end, because, you know, he gave, you know, it really kind of touched Hina in a way that I don't think either one of them was really even expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it also, it, it, he needed to calm down first, before, you know, to kind of think about what was going on rationally. It's like, okay, man, you've only got one hint is that she has free time in this one random area in a giant city like Kyoto. Mm-hmm. What do you know about her? Um, which is why I, I don't really mind the fact... Like, I, I was kind of going into this anticipating to kind I, I was kind of dreading this whole, like, impulsive rush towards Kyoto because it's like, are we really going to have, like, this dramatic meeting in Kyoto where it's like he somehow manages to track her down in this big city despite not having, like, any information about her? Yeah. Like, it, it kind of seemed, like, a little too overly dramatic and convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do appreciate the fact that 
it it was really more like because what the series did with that is it showed how well he understood Hina. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's why it felt like a bit more of an earned moment yeah. than I think it would have otherwise. Because it's like, it's not so much that he just happened to run to Kyoto and, you know, he had this big emotional reunion. He actually kind of had to figure it out for himself as to where she would be, you know. Where would somebody who is this lonely end up going and how would she handle it? Mm-hmm. So it, it shows that Ray is actually starting to understand other people's, like, their mentalities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's why it largely worked for me. Yeah. No, I agree. Uh, I, I thought it was perfectly pleasant. Again, I couldn't follow all the details of the Shogi match. I never can. Right. But um, it was cool to see how it sort of related back to his ability to see who he is and... Right criticize himself a little better so i don't know i mean march remains very solid it's uh i i like i like where ray is at i think he's at he's at as a character he's at an interesting juncture where he's still like you know he's not quote unquote better but he's able to understand himself in a way that he wasn't Initially. Right. He, he's becoming a bit more of an active hero at this point, which is kind of refreshing to see. Because, you know, first season it was all about him just sort of sitting off in the sidelines and sort of understand... It's like, you know, he kind of understands that things are happening, mm-hmm. but he doesn't really feel... He's never really been able to feel like, you know, this is something that he can actively... You know, he can never really actively get involved in anybody's life. Right. Uh... I actually did kind of notice that note that myself at the beginning of this episode. I thought it was interesting that his visits to their house, to like uh, Hina and Akari and Momo's house, is no longer really treated as like an event within the show. Oh yeah, he's just there. Yeah, like literally the episode just begins and he's there. And we've had a couple episodes like that. Whereas, you know, in comparison to the first season, it's always been treated like... It's always been, like, this sort of almost agonizing decision for him. It's like, am I going to go see them or not? Like, I'm going to try and avoid them. Mm-hmm. You know, I really don't want to get involved, you know. You know, I'm just imposing on them. And mm-hmm. now, and you know, any time he ended up there, it was always due to some sort of big event. But now he just seems like he's just hanging out there as one of their family, almost. Mm-hmm. Which, I, I again, it's one of those subtle ways in which you kind of watch his character evolve. Yeah. Yeah, so it's good stuff. Uh, you know what else is stuff? <laughs> Two cards. I know she left out the good there. Oh well, I wouldn't read into it. <laughs> okay, well, uh, yeah. So episode ten of Two Car. Mm-hmm. So um, this episode was episode one. <laughs> Mostly, yeah. Yeah, like I mean, what else is there to say? Okay, Coach Tanahashi was there. Uh, the, he, we find out that he doesn't have a partner for the Isle of Man anymore. He's found out that he's kind of just sort of, he was always kind of a big fish in a small pond. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now the girls, the, after their five minutes of making up, have decided that they hate each other again. And they are both now competing to become Coach's new partner. Yeah, even though they haven't told him that. Right. Then we watch episode one play out. So apparently episode one was actually what was going on here. We now have better context for what actually happened in that episode. Um, And then the episode ends with Coach Tanahashi wanting to tell them a secret. Uh, He is actually engaged to Betty Bertal of the Bertal sisters, who we know are supposed to have been the big rivals of of Yuri and Megumi at the Isle of Man, most likely. 
Well, yeah. So they're the female. They're the they're the women's kneeler racing champions of the world. Right. And uh, so that's I guess who they're they're shooting to unseat if they ever were able to get to the Isle of Man TT. Because you know what they say. Japanese high school girls kneeler racers are perfectly qualified to go against <laughs> professionals in England. Um, um, so I just want to get this out of the way, right? Yeah. I, there's a weird part of me that almost sort of admires this episode. What, for shamelessly cutting several... I mean, I, I, I honestly think... a about half the episode was reused animation from the first episode. It was. It absolutely was. There is something kind of interesting about what they're doing here, though, because what they're trying to do is they're kind of recontextualizing that first episode. You know, there was kind of this mystery... You know, we were even talking about before, you know, there was this kind of this weird mystery about everything that was going on during it, you know, we're just kind of thrown into it. There are all these girls who are racing, yeah. and then for some reason, at the very end, the girls punch each other because they just hate each other that much. Mm-hmm. Um, this episode, I guess, like it's kind of interesting to see. Like now, we're back in. You know, now we kind of have a full picture of everything that's going on here. They they're this mad because Coach Tanahashi was actually there that entire race, and they're kind of competing with one another to like win him over, you know, we, we have that new information now. It's an interesting narrative technique. Um, the problem with that is that it took us ten episodes to get here, and really, what did we gain? Yeah, what we gained is that they were fighting about Coach Tanahashi. We knew that from episode one. Right. Now we know they were fighting about Coach Tanahashi because he's nearby. Yeah, that's (laughs) how much does that add? Yeah, you know, it's kind of almost like you know how you know, kind of spoilers here for a completely unrelated movie, but you know, like Fight Club, you know, it's or like something like The Sixth Sense or something like Uh that. You know, it's you know, it's one you know one of those movies that's really interesting to watch once you know, like go back and watch once you know the big twist. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, kind of, you know, go back and see how, you know, oh, like, this affects their action. You know, uh-huh. it was this that kind of affected their actions here. That's what, so that's what that set scene meant from before, you know. You know, kind of something like that. And it felt like Tukar was trying to do that with its, with this sort of, like, this reuse of the race from episode one. Because mm-hmm. you even get clips of that during the race, you know, like, oh, well, why did, like, why did that racer suddenly hesitate because, like, when they took that turn, because we heard, like, for example, with, uh, uh, with the, uh, I think it was the, uh, with, with the, uh, lightning tornado with Chiyuki, with Chiyuki and Misaki, uh, with that, with that, uh, race duo, you know, like, why did Chiyuki suddenly hesitate, uh, when they were making that sharp turn there? Oh, well, it's because, you know, they have this history, you know, mm-hmm. like, with, you know, Chiyuki's hurt her partner in the past by doing this. And, you you get a lot of shots like this, like a couple of shots like this that sort of recontextualize that race. And it's like, that's kind of interesting, almost. Mm-hmm. But, again, it's like... Again, what did we really gain from doing that? And the answer is nothing, really. Yeah, exactly. Because it's... How do I want to put this? So... A lot of sports anime, they have this sort of overarching goal, right? Like, you know, it's always to win the big tournament. 
And there's always something that's sort of promised at the end of the tournament to the main character, right? Uh, you know, and some and you know, sometimes it's something like in Haikyuu, for example, you know, like uh, Hinata and Kugamiya, they just want glory. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, or in, you know, All Out, you know, there's this sort of sense of community. They want to keep playing because they want to keep playing with one another. And that's sort of their reward for continuing to play. The reward here is just for Yuri and Megumi to, you know, get their coach. Yeah. that That's sort of the implied reward here. That hasn't really changed at all over the course of these past ten episodes. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say that it earned as much reused animation as it did. Like, you can say, oh, it's a technique. Look at the... It's it's like Fight Club. But mostly, it's like, we don't have much of a budget. And we can only (laughs) animate one full race, so you get to see it twice. Yeah, I mean, that's basically it. Again, it's kind of interesting what they're trying here, but it just... It doesn't work because, again, the... When it comes right down to it, the story is not really that interesting in the first place. Mm -hmm. Nor is really, like, what they're doing with it is a little interesting, but it doesn't really add anything to the overall plot. Because it's a really, it's honestly just a really simple story. Yeah. Yeah. It's a simple story, (laughs) and uh, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the fact that at the end, it's revealed that, like you mentioned, Betty Birchall, the female champion of Nilo Racing, is engaged to Coach Tanahashi, and uh, they have engagement rings that they show off, <laughs> which are enormous. I mean, they they're... They are enormous and don't look like rings. Yeah, they, they look like... Yeah, like like you said in the end, they look like lug nuts. Yeah, um, like, it looks like they just took a couple of, like, screws or, like, some nuts and bolts. Like, they took, like, the nuts from, like, the nuts and bolts and just stuck them on their fingers. Yeah, it's strange. Also, I mean, the rings are so large that they look like they're basically an, a whole other finger width around. <laughs> so I don't know how they can even hold their hand with that giant, like, and right. it's like... And how do, how would uh, like, they even be able to race with that? Yeah, it's like a six-sided, six-flat sides with protrusions and stuff. It's It looks absurd. Um right. I don't know if this is a tradition in Japan, but it's also kind of weird that they're wearing them on their right hands instead of their left, but who knows. Right, that might just be an animation thing, like, where they just did... You're, you're right, it could just be, like, a Japanese thing. Who knows? Uh, I'm not going to fixate on that, uh, but it was uh, it was very confusing to see, like, oh, yeah, you have a large object on your hand. And <laughs> I don't know, it might be interesting to go back and see if that was there the whole time, but who knows. Yeah. And when I say interesting, I mean I'm never going to do it. Right, no, I understand. So, what are the chances that Betty's going to turn out to be evil? That's what I want to know. I don't know. I mean, she hasn't even said a word yet. I kind of like the fact she hasn't said anything, because it's like, she probably doesn't know Japanese, she's English. Uh, Right. But she has to have communicated with Coach Tanahashi somehow. Like, I mean, I guess he could Well, yeah, I mean, I think probably he speaks English. I guess. I'm hoping to see some of that. There's something weird, though, about the way that she and her sister were watching this trial race. And she, oh, like, it looked like they kind of had this smug look on their face the entire time. I don't think it's going to be evil, because I think that would take more than two episodes to develop. Right. Then again, I shouldn't sell this show short for developing <laughs> things way too rapidly. Um, right. What I think is more likely 
is that it's gonna be something real dumb where they're like, oh, well, Betty's getting married, so we decided to retire from real, from Neela racing, so we came here to see the best of the best, and whoever wins will, like, take our place or something. Oh, that could be something, too. You know, it's just, like, so somehow they they want to pass the torch, and uh, they've heard so much about Yuri and Megumi from right. Tanahashi that, like, they're there to... To make them the new champions or something awful. Right. I, I think that's I more likely. I just have this horrifying vision in my head where it turns out that they have some sort of evil scheme where the girls are going to have to, or like the, where the girls figure it out and Coach Tanahashi is just too love struck to see it from Betty. Uh, and so the girls are going to have to prove during the race why they are, like, why he needs to break up with her. Oh, yeah, um, we, we need to show him the truth with our racing. I can hear the line right now. Yeah, kind of. Like, I, I just have this this horrifying image. And it's like, can like, I, I don't know why it's even that horrifying to me. Right. Um, but, it, it, like, I don't know. I just kind of got this weird sense that, that the Bertrand sisters are going to have, like, a lot more to their character than what's being let on. And they've only got two episodes. There can't be that much more to them. <laughs> Hey, speaking of something with more episodes, you want to talk about Big Windup? Excellent transition, Matt. I like As it. Always. Um, sure. So, Big Windup, Season 2, Episode 8. Um, this is the beginning of the game against Bijou. Uh, they get through the first two innings in this episode, and uh, sort of what comes out is that Bijou did a much better job of scouting Nishiura than the other way around. Um because they were able, like they mentioned in in the last episode, to identify Abe's tendencies. Um, so they figured out his pitch-calling routine and were able to pre predict how he would pitch to all of them and then just target the pitches they knew he would call from Mahashi. And since Mahashi never shakes off pitches, they knew there was only one factor they had to figure out. Right. Um, so very quickly... They're able to get uh, several RBIs. They're able to get a two-run home run, and uh, by the end of the second inning, they're up four to zero. Um, on the other hand, you know Nishiura is not able to get around the fact that they've been figured out. So all of their batting tendencies were also scouted, and so Bijou is able to shift their uh, fielders to positions where they're likely to intercept the most likely places where Nishira hits. So they're uh, really stuck, and they're going to have to reinvent their approach to everything. Uh, and at the end of the episode, Abe tells Mahashi that he's going to start dropping dummy signs, and Mahashi's going to have to shake them off to at least do something to throw Bijou off their game. Right. Um, so I, I just want to say... It's interesting, right? Uh, Big Windup actually follows a very traditional sports... and Like, it, it follows a very traditional sports-like plotting, right? Yeah. You know, the first episode... You know, the first big game, you know, the game against uh, Tose, you know, that was really supposed to be their sort of big showcase game. Their big showcase game where they sort of prove to the rest of the baseball community, you know, why they are a force to be reckoned with, right? Mm -hmm. And then every game still kind of follows this sort of natural progression uh, where we see, you know, them continue to struggle more and more, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, not, that's not a hundred percent the case. Like for example, the last game they had against uh, I, I've already forgotten their name, but you know that wasn't really so much their big struggle. Was it but, Sakiyama? Yeah, I think it was Sakiyama. Um, but what's interesting about the you know, and this is the big plot point where we have the ultimate technique is failing them. Mm-hmm. Right, you know, we get that in almost every single sports anime where you know, like the main character has this technique that is almost uniquely theirs within this world of the sport. You know, within this, with you know, the sort of the current meta game, as it were, within the sport. Uh, you know, and you know, they have this sort of special technique that sort of challenges this notion of the meta game, right? Uh, and, you know, and big one, and you know, this is the moment where they found out where you know the weakness has been uncovered to it. Mm-hmm. The weakness here is that their relationship, Mihashi and Abe, Mihashi is far too dependent on Abe, and Abe has to do all the thinking for it. Um, what's interesting about this is that because of this formula, it can be kind of, the series like a lot of sports anime can be very easy to predict because of that. Big Windup doesn't have this issue just on the basis that their big show-off game was against the biggest team in the district. Yeah. Or, like, in not even in the district, but in the tournament. Hmm. Uh, and I think that's what really, you know, this episode kind of solidified that for me. Because, you know, I'm watching this, I'm seeing a lot of familiar plot points here. I do not know how this game is going to end. Yeah, I'm kind of torn because I could, I I have two impulses. Um, one, I think they're going to lose because this is going to be the moment where they run into like, you know, they had a lot of Nishira had a lot of success based on just their gut and their natural ability and gung ho right. and what whatever. But this is the point where they run into a wall of a really fully prepared team. Right. And they're gonna lose, and this will become like the next hurdle they have to go overcome. So, and you see that in like Haikyuu, where they lose the first tournament in the show, um, right. and then that gives them that sets the standard for what they have to overcome the next time they they play. Right. Uh, I could see that happening here. The only th- and I I I tend to think that that's the most likely. Um, the only thing that undermines that is that there were some weird illusions in the episode that I didn't totally understand to how Bijou's catcher is like doing illegal moves on the field. Right. And there's there's something about how like he is so desperate to win that he's somehow messing with the game or bending the rules in order to do so. Um, and whenever someone is breaking the rules that comes back to bite them, I'm not sure if that'll come back to bite him within the game and he'll get kicked out of the game and the other catcher will replace him or if it will cause them to lose. Right. So, because the funny thing is that the way rule breaking is treated in a lot of sports anime is, you know, it's the absolute wrong, right? You know, it's like, you don't do that. But what you always have to do is to, you have to overcome the advantage that comes from Mm -hmm. rule breaking. It's never because like, they get caught and, you know, they're, you know, sanctions are made against the team, you know, it's considered to be an illegal, wi- uh, you know, an illegal victory, you know, et cetera, et cetera. It's always because they manage to overcome whatever they're doing that's wrong and then they get caught. 
Well, could you tell me what he did that was illegal? I couldn't even figure it out. I don't know. He said it, but it, it was something he said that was on the mound, right? Oh. Or, like, I, I don't know. To be, like, I, I, think I think the whole point... Yeah, okay. I, I don't think we're supposed to know yet. Yeah, maybe the, the fact that we couldn't tell is, like, nobody else could tell either except for one guy on the bench who was like, dude, you gotta stop that. Uh, you're gonna right. get caught. Right, you're gonna get caught and you're gonna, like, you're gonna get us in trouble. You're gonna make us all look bad. Um, right, exactly. But I don't so, know what he was referring to. Anyway, that's not a big right. deal. So, I, what's interesting about that, again, is that, like, it's... It's kind of, like, the series is always able to make you sort of second-guess that with things like that. Also, the fact that they are first-years, that they are all first-year players, also means that there's very, very low stakes here as well. Because if they lose, there is always the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and it's like, so... The series is constantly playing with our expectations like that. You know, is the illegality going to come back and, you know, save them in the end? You know, are they going to get caught for this? And, like, are they still going to lose the game but still be allowed to advance because they end up getting caught and they have to realize, okay, now it's time to really hunker down. We got to figure out because we have been exposed, Mm -hmm. essentially. Like, you know, our strategy has been exposed and everybody's going to be gunning for us now. Right. Um, So I could see that happening. But, you know... Again, they could just very well lose the game. Um, just because, again, like, they need to learn... Like, they could lose the game and then have to come back in the second year. Uh, which, I mean, that would also make for a good ending for at least the anime. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I thought it was, uh... It was good, uh, like every freaking episode of this show... It was good. Right. Um, I like that they emphasized uh, the shift because that's a real thing in baseball where, you know, you analyze how frequently other hitters will hit to certain parts of the field and then you put your fielders there and like a lot closer to those spots. They're more likely intercept. So it's a real challenge even at the professional level. What they call beating the shift is like you see... The fielders move, when you come up to bat, they move to an area you're most likely to hit. And so for you to hit to another part of the field that is less comfortable for you, or do you try to just do your natural swing anyway? Um, Right. So you saw some of that, which is, uh, I mean, honestly, for when it was written, was ahead of its time. Um, But... Yeah, it's uh, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how how it wraps up, and I mean I'm kind of happy that Big Windup is in its its comfortable place because when Big Windup doesn't actually isn't actually playing a baseball game, it's not really sure what it's doing with itself. Right. So uh, this knows exactly what it's doing, and it'll probably take most of the rest of the show. So I'm, right. I'm ready. To I, I can't it. imagine based on the Tose game, I can't imagine anything more than like a final wrap up episode. I agree. Uh, like for the remain, like I can't imagine that this isn't going to be most of the rest of the season. Yep. I agree, and I'll be there to join you. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, see you next week then. See you next week. Our logo design is by James Ratcliffe. The theme music is Fly High by Burnout Syndromes, covered and performed by Luke Bartka. You can follow Koshian Cast on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter, and our email is koshiancast at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We will be back next week with the best and worst from the world of sports anime, and until then, keep training.